The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Like double dog dare ya! Was that wrong? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. How the hell is that Mike Florio's job? So what, no f***ing now? It's a Monday PFTPM, first day of our three-week hiatus, no days off, and really, all I'm doing is sitting here in my office talking. We have a new location for the PFTPM studio. We did it in the barn for a while. It's a little warm down there in the summertime. I used to do the VOD segments when PFT Live was off the air up in my studio, but that's too far of a walk. Just where I sit, where I am, I can do these every weekday, and I will be doing them to go over some of the topics that are happening in the NFL, and there is still plenty of news in the NFL. And I've got a tiny little bit of news. I had my annual physical today. That's why I've been fairly scarce posting content at PFT. Get a physical every year if you're over 40. Even if you're under 40, it can't hurt. You get blood work. You get certain examinations that are specific to your gender, especially if you're over 40. You get a stress test. They check out everything, and it gives you that peace of mind going into the next year, especially for me going into football season. I feel like I'll be healthy until the next physical, even though I know that, you know, something could happen between now and then. Uh, I still feel like that checkup every summer is the thing that gives me peace of mind to carry through a year. And I think peace of mind is highly underrated, especially in light of the collective lack of peace of mind that we've had during the pandemic. And it was the first time I've left my town since the pandemic started. It was just bizarre to drive into Pittsburgh. There wasn't a lot of traffic. There weren't a lot of people half wearing masks, maybe, maybe more not wearing masks than half, but uh, got the physical, came home, and here we are with PFTPM before I get back to posting more content at profootballtalk.com. Let's revisit the Cam Newton contract that I addressed last night in a special Sunday night, go up to your office and record a video session of PFTPM. I was stunned. That was one of those, holy crap, I look at my phone, first thing I do, is make sure it wasn't a fake account. Because when it's a surprise like that, I think that's the normal reaction. It's the first time I've felt that way since last August Andrew Luck retired. The first reaction, is this fake? And as I was trying to process that in my brain, 13-year-old nephew who was over at the house and sitting about 20 feet away said, Oh, no, Cam Newton to the Patriots. So that's when I jumped up, came up here and started working on it. Been thinking about it a lot. Had four hours of car time today to process it some more. Look, this is a typical Patriots move. It's unexpected on its face, even though it was something that people thought they should do. It still was something a lot of people thought Bill Belichick wouldn't do. I believed that Bill Belichick should do it. But at the same time, I thought he wouldn't do it because I thought he wanted to prove that the Patriot way works, that the system works works, that next man up works, that Jared Stidham, who was there for a year, learning from Josh McDaniels, learning from Bill Belichick, learning from Tom Brady, ready to step into the job, just like Brady did in his second year with the team. So that's what surprised me more than anything else. Surely Cam Newton, if healthy, is a better quarterback. Surely, without question. Now, is he healthy? My understanding continues to be the Patriots took a leap of faith on that, that 
they decided to take the word of Cam Newton's agents that Cam Newton is healthy, and they'll find out when he shows up. And you know what? If he's not healthy, there isn't much of a risk here. That's the key. This is the kind of move that only a Bill Belichick can make because if it works, he's a genius. If it doesn't, he's not an idiot. Whereas anybody else who does it, if it doesn't work, you're an idiot. Remember in 2011, after the lockout, what did he do? Traded for Albert Hainsworth and Chad Johnson, who at the time was Chad Ochocinco. It didn't work for either one. And nobody ever said, boo, and he gave up draft picks to get each guy. He didn't even have to give up draft pick to get Cam Newton. A top 10 quarterback, according to Chris Sims, a 2015 NFL MVP, a guy who, if healthy, is capable of being very, very good. And yes, is 2-0 all time against the New England Patriots. So I completely understand why the Patriots did it. And the psychology of it, I think, is fascinating by waiting to make their move. They ran the risk that someone else was going to sign him, but also they created a, cir a circumstance where if uh, Cam Newton had no other suitors and he had no other suitors, he was going to take whatever offer the Patriots put out there. Seen a lot of criticism of the contract. Comparisons to Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel making more than Cam Newton and Jameis Winston combined this year. Okay, fine. But the reality is neither Newton nor Winston had a ton of leverage when the time came for them to sign their contracts. Nobody wanted Winston to be a starter. People were leery about him being a backup because he's used to being a starter. He wants to be a starter. Chase Daniel better fits into that backup role who will accept his position and not try to take over. That was part of the, I think, problem for getting Jameis Winston a good backup contract. And then you throw in the fact that Cam Newton just wasn't healthy and was a victim of circumstance, a victim of the Panthers not cutting him when they should have back in February, like they cut Greg Olson. And then the Panthers thinking they can get something in exchange for Cam Newton. So they held on to him longer than they should have. And then when they finally cut him, there's no fair opportunity for him to go out and see what's on the market to get a physical because of the pandemic. So he was stuck. He was stuck. And it's unfortunate that it happened, but now he's making chicken salad. He's taking the deal that he can get so he can get the opportunity to position himself for next year. See, if he doesn't do this deal now, he's going to be in a tough spot to have the kind of season necessary to make him an attractive free agent in 2021. He would have been waiting for someone to get injured. And look, you never know who's going to get injured, who's not going to get injured. You can't predict that. What if it's an injury to a quarterback on a team you really want to play for? Or what if you're not sure how long the injury is? What if it's not season ending, but maybe the guy's going to be out eight weeks? Do you go for eight weeks, and then you have to worry about being benched for the starter when he recovers? And what if a team who has an injury to a quarterback just says, next man up? We got a guy who's here who knows the system. This move gets Cam Newton to New England to learn the system, compete with Jared Stidham at a time when Stidham didn't have an offseason program as the number one guy. I mean, think about that. We've seen plenty of praise of Jared Stidham from Patriots players over the past several months, but there's never been a moment in his time in the NFL where Jared Stidham has been the guy in a locker room full of his peers. Never been the guy. And now here comes Cam Newton, who is clearly the guy. So it's going to be easier for Newton to compete. It's going to be easier for him to get the starting job. It was smart for him to do it now. And I think the Patriots knew exactly what they were doing by waiting. I think they were interested in him all along on their terms. And they knew that the best way to get him on their terms was to wait. And they did. And they were willing to assume the risk that he would land somewhere else. And you know what? Because they never let on that they wanted him, nobody ever would have said, oh, the Patriots blew that. See, that's the value of keeping your mouth shut 
And that's what the Patriots do. And this is one of the reasons why they do it. Because if you do come off as being too anxious, number one, it drives up the price. Number two, if you don't get the guy, you look like you've lost. Instead, the Patriots look like they've won. And they quite possibly have. And Cam Newton quite possibly has won as well, depending upon how things go this year. The other victory for the Patriots last night came from the timing of the leak of the Cam Newton contract because I, I personally think what was going on, the Patriots knew that the NFL was going to leak and then announce the penalties from last year's Spygate 3. I don't know how many Spygates there have been. It's like Rocky movies. Last year's incident where while a camera crew was at a Browns-Bengals game ostensibly doing a feature on one of the team's scouts, there was recording of the Bengals' sideline just a week before the Patriots were due to play the Bengals. Now, I still have yet to see anything suggesting that the Patriots' football operations staff had anything to do with this, that there were any connections. Remember, I said from the get-go, investigate this to determine whether or not there's any connection between this video crew and football operations. And if you can't prove it, then it's just an innocent mistake. And you know what? It may have been a much smaller penalty if it had been an innocent mistake that had been committed by anyone else. But these are the Patriots. And thanks to Spygate 1, Spygate 2, which never went anywhere, Deflategate, that history of, of violations resulted in the seven-figure fine and the loss of a third-round draft pick. It's a big deal to lose a third-round draft pick. It's a big deal to lose any draft pick. So that was significant. But because it was the chaser to the Cam Newton news, it got far less play than it ever would have gotten, making the Cam Newton move even more brilliant and making me wonder at some warped level whether or not they really don't want Cam Newton. <laughs> it was just elaborate PR cover for the, the long-delayed resolution to something that happened more than six months ago. And I never thought they were going to resolve that one, but resolve it, they did. And, you know, they did him a little bit of a favor by holding it until after the 2020 draft. By all respects, this should have been done before the draft. That third round pick 2021, worth less than a third round pick in 2020, especially when we consider that if there's no college football season or if they delay it or whatever, it's going to be harder potentially to scout guys next year. Those draft picks may not be as valuable, maybe more of a crapshoot next year than it typically is. All right, uh, what else do we want to talk about? How about this? I saw a comment from Shaq Barrett. He's the guy who had a decent career in Denver, not a superstar, goes to Tampa for one year, becomes a superstar, gets franchise tag. He's made it clear all along he's going to stay with the Buccaneers. He has recently said that if he doesn't get a long-term deal by July 15, he'll sign the franchise tender. I, I got some free advice for Shaq Barrett, and, and he's guaranteed to get his money's worth. Go ahead and sign the franchise tender now. Don't run any risk of the Buccaneers deciding to play games here and remove that tender. Because I'll tell you this, Shaq, if you become a free agent now, June 29, or at any point after today, up to and including July 15, it's going to be hard to get the money on the open market that you would have gotten back in March. And it's going to be hard to get that $15.8 million. And there's no extra leverage that comes from not having signed 
the franchise tag as it relates to a long-term deal, especially when you come out and say, I'm going to sign the franchise tag if I don't get a long-term deal. Just sign the tag. Sign the tag and protect yourself against something. All it takes is one crazy moment, one wild hair, and that franchise tag gets rescinded and you're stuck. So do what Dak Prescott did last week. Sign the franchise tag, get the $15.8 million in hand, and see if it can be parlayed into a long-term deal by July 15. And if not, it's 15.8 this year. And if you have another big year, they have to give you a 20% raise if they want to keep you off the open market next year. And that's going to be close to $20 million for 2021. All right. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about what the NFL is going to do this season. There hasn't been a lot of guidance. There hasn't been a lot of specificity. We're getting closer and closer to the launch of training camps. Myers their rookies early as they usually do because they're going to be playing beat the clock just to get everything ready and in compliance with the coronavirus guidelines. So July 28th, we're moving toward that. We don't know what's going to happen in training camp. We don't know what's going to happen when they start playing games. Remember, I think the schedule has been constructed to go forward with week one and then to have flexibility to either cancel or postpone weeks two, three, and four but I think they fully intend to go forward with week one and see what happens. And I don't know that let's see what happens is the right way to deal with this pandemic. I'd like to think there are better plans in place other than, well, here's our plan. Let's see if it works. You want to be confident it's going to work. And I understand in this specific situation, there's no lot of confidence that anything is going to work. But I mention all of that, number one, because people care and I get asked all the time, is there going to be football this year in my honest answer. My only answer is, I don't know. I talked to some people who are very high up on the NFL's food chain, and they say absolutely positively. You talk to other people, and they're like, we don't know. That's the thing. At some point, now, and, and I've, I've advised the league office to begin to more regularly communicate information to people in the media about what the plans are for 2020, so we can then provide that information to the fans. And so people can start to be confident and crickets, nothing. So it's not just for the fans and for the media. The players and the coaches have to be feeling some anxiety and some uncertainty. You know, I, I'm a guy that likes to have everything planned out. And the idea that there's this, this day out there that is only 30 days away, July 28, and I don't know, am I going to training camp? And I don't know how the the – Procedures are going to work. Nobody's told me anything. The closer that gets, the more agitated I'd be getting. And I think a lot of players and coaches are going to feel the same way. So I think it, it behooves the NFL to start making concrete plans, striking agreements with the NFLPA where it needed, and get information into the hands and into the minds of the people who have to process this new reality and get themselves ready for it. You need time to get your brain wrapped around what your life is going to look like on a day in and day out basis. You don't want to just get thrust into that. So I continue to encourage the NFL, let your people know what you're going to do, because it sure seems like a lot of people in the NFL with the teams are in the dark. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, recently suggested, and these were comments that were made to the Las Vegas Review-Journal as part of an article that primarily was focused on Mark Davis's intense objection to putting tarp over the first eight rows of the seats at his new stadium. You know, he's got this new toy, and he can't fully play with it, right? It's like you got this new toy that you've wanted forever, and one of the pieces is broken, and you got to send away to the company that made it to send that piece. So until then, you've got a toy that is missing one of its pieces and it pisses you off. I can't remember what toy it was for me, but haven't we all been there? This toy that we really want, we get it and something's broken and we try to make do with what we have. That's Mark Davis with his new stadium. Something's broken. He can't have seats in the first eight rows and he's mad about it. Well, in that same article, he pointed out that They may have to do a bubble concept by the time it's all said and done. It's one thing to protect players from fans, but how do you protect players from players? And maybe their best bet is to do a bubble approach. Look, I don't think a bubble approach is going to work. And it's definitely not going to work if you are coming up with a bubble approach on the fly. Like, it can't be plan B. Bubble's got to be plan A. If you're going to pull bubble off, bubble is plan A. And bubble was put in place three months ago. When they didn't begin to make the plans for a bubble, that put them on the path toward a non-bubble environment. And I wrote about it March 29th. People thought I was crazy. You take everybody to a remote location. You, you build enough fields to play six, seven games simultaneously. You have a whole complex there. You build dormitories. Look, it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy. And it's not something you can throw together on a moment's notice. But that's the best bubble for the NFL because there's too many people. There's too many people who would break the bubble. You need a true bubble to make it work for the NFL. If they would take all the teams to Las Vegas, maybe that's why Mark Davis is suggesting the possibility of a bubble approach. Maybe he wants to host the NFL in Vegas this year. How do you keep everyone in the bubble? Think about it. 65 players per team, coaches, support staff, family members, Presumably, presumably they'll have family members there. You're gonna you're gonna pull these guys away from their families for four months, and 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 dare suggest the possibility of a pay cut when you're doing that to them. There's gonna be guys who bust out of that bubble, nightclub, ten minutes away, whatever the case may be. And then if they get the virus there and they bring it back to the bubble, you got a problem. So I just don't think the bubble is practical. And I think if the NFL finds itself thinking about a bubble on the fly. If you're in that position, 
where you're having those thoughts that you need to do that, the better approach may be just to pull the plug and be done with it. And I hope it doesn't come to that. I have been rooting for months for football to happen. There's a group out there that seems to think, not like an organized group as far as I know, but there's there's a collection of individuals of like mind. They think that anyone who points out the things that the NFL should be worried about in order to pull off the season, those people are rooting against the season. Well, no, I we're rooting against the NFL being as oblivious as way too many people walking around without masks are. Because if football season doesn't happen, one of the big reasons is going to be too many people were either too selfish or too dumb to comply with the guidelines and do the things aimed at slowing or eliminating the spread of the virus. Period. Period. So get mad at those of us who have been saying, what about this? What about this? You need to think about this. You need to think about that. And go ahead and be be blissful in your ignorance because those of you who decided that this was simply the flu, those of you who decided to listen to the charlatans out there who are trying to make a buck by telling you what you want to hear. You know, sometimes we must eat vegetables. We can't have candy. Sometimes we need to pass on the candy. Well, you've got these folks out there just force feeding candy to the people who want to feel like they're okay that they're not jerks for failing to do the things that they're supposed to do. And that's part of the problem. It's part of the problem. And the folks in the media who have been pushing that BS, special place in hell, as far as I'm concerned. I hope I'm not there to witness it. I, I, I hope I'm not there to say, man, he's really got it rough. Oh, wait. Uh, anyway, um, that's all I got to say about the bubble approach. It's, it's, I'm concerned, but I'm still cautiously optimistic. And uh, I hope they get it figured out. I think that's, I think they, I think they have a plan that they genuinely believe will work. I just think that there are a lot of variables there and they're, they're taking not quite the same leap of faith the Patriots are taking with Cam Newton, but they're hoping that certain things break their way in order to pull off uh the 2020 season amid the pandemic. One last thing to point out before we wrap this up today. Today is the 37th anniversary of the death of Joe Delaney. He was the Chiefs running back who had a huge rookie season in 1981. 1982, he was banged up a little bit. June 29, 1983, only 24 years old with three small children at home. Joe Delaney was at a park in Louisiana. There was a pond and there was some sort of a safety hazard, like the water. It was a, a, a treacherous drop-off or something. But three kids got into that water, and they were struggling. And Joe Delaney couldn't swim, but that did not stop him. While a bunch of other people were standing around, Joe Delaney got into that water to try to save those three boys. He saved one. Two of them drowned with Joe Delaney. But it's a story that I feel compelled to tell every June 29 on the website and in any video or audio setting that we may have. Because for whatever reason, like some of the great NFL stories we all know about, no matter how old or young we are, and young, passionate football fans become aware of, you know, like the catch, for example, or the immaculate reception. Like th th there's enough of it out there that it enters the consciousness of a football fan, even if it's a young football fan. But every year, Every year, without fail, I hear from people who say, I didn't know about Joe Delaney. 
And look, I don't know what the NFL needs to do to make Joe Delaney more of a part of what football fans become exposed to. I'm doing my part every year, every June 29. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to write about it. I actually had a story yesterday because a monument was unveiled over the weekend near that pond in Louisiana. And people just need to know the story. Ultimate selflessness, ultimate heroic act, ultimate bravery. And there's just so many stories. My heart breaks for the kids who drowned. My heart breaks for the child who survived. The survivor's guilt that he must have had his entire life unfathomable. When you go into that pond with your two friends and they don't come out and the man who comes in to save the three of you doesn't come out and you do, good luck living with that your entire life. Um, and then the, the three young children. You know, I, I try to put myself in the shoes of those girls and it would be hard if you're the, if you're the children to not be mad at your father and, and think you, you chose three strangers over us. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, Joe Delaney was a hero because he didn't engage in that analysis. If he had, like most of us would have, see, that becomes an excuse to not try to help. And I guarantee you, if I was in his spot, June 29, 1983, there's no way in hell I'm jumping into that pond. That's why I'm in awe of what Joe Delaney did. And that's why I feel compelled every year to share with you and anyone who reads the website, the story of Joe Delaney, um, a triumph and a tragedy all wrapped into one. I'll never forget where I was when I heard about it. I've told this story before. I had just graduated high school a few weeks earlier, sitting at the kitchen table with a bowl of cereal, flipping through the newspaper, and I saw the story. And my heart sank, my jaw dropped. And, uh, um, you know, it stayed with me all these years. And I'm just glad I have a platform where we can tell the story of Joe Delaney and we encourage others to find out more about Joe Delaney and, and maybe, and hopefully we'll get to the point where when we remember Joe Delaney every year, there isn't somebody who says, you know, I'd never heard about Joe Delaney before. All right. Uh, that's it for today's PFTPM. We'll be back tomorrow. It's easy. It's easy. All I got to do, see, I, you can't really, if you, if you look behind me, it, it's tip, typically a mess in here. Right. Uh, so I just kind of take everything and like push it. So it's out of the screen here and anything maybe on the floor, right there, I get push it over there. So I kind of have a little mountain going just out of shot over there. But, but this is nice. this forces me to keep at least some area of my office looking like a professional or something close to an office. All right. Thanks for your time. Profootballtalk.com. Even though the show's off and we act like it's a vacation, I, I, it's not work. I freely admit it's not work. Really, I just sat here for the last 25 minutes and just talked about whatever I want to talk about. Boy, that's a rough day. I'm going to write some stories about whatever I'm interested in. That's a rough day. I'll get back to doing that. And thank you for allowing me to have this life where I really don't have to work. We'll keep trying to do what we can do to keep you up to date on everything happening in the National Football League. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank you. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.